Welcome everyone to Fergo and the Freak. This is episode 316 of the podcast. I'm the Glorious League Freak. I'm still the Glorious League Freak, funnily enough. And we are about to play State of Origin 1 in 2021. I'm sure you're all looking forward to it. I thought about what sort of preview to do for this. And, you know, if you've done enough State of Origin previews and reviews and things like that, you can get a bit stale doing the same old things over and over again. So I thought what I would do is for this episode, I would talk about some of the things I like about this year's first State of Origin game, some of the things I don't like, some of the things I like about the two teams, some of the things I don't like, and then there's a couple of little news updates we've got to get to at the end. So let's begin. Uh, I like that we're playing in Townsville. I think that it would have been cool to play this game in Newcastle. I think that the atmosphere would have been amazing. It would have been a really interesting lead up. But Townsville is just as good as well. I believe they've added something like 3,800 temporary seats. So they were talking up yesterday that this would be the most attended sporting event in North Queensland. I don't know where they they draw that line for North Queensland. It, sometimes it feels like just north of Brisbane, everything north of that is North Queensland. But it's going to be pretty cool. Um, that atmosphere will be amazing. And look, there are people that are sitting in tents right now waiting for the game because all of the hotel rooms were sold out basically before the game had been officially moved there. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with everything. I'm sure it'll be an amazing game because of the venue. And I always like seeing State of Origin played at a new venue. Like, obviously, we've got ANZ Stadium. Well, it's not called ANZ anymore. It's called Stadium Australia again in Sydney. We've got Suncorp Stadium in Queensland. But any time that you can take a State of Origin game to a new sort of audience or a new venue, it's always fun to watch. So we'll see how that all plays out. But I think it's cool that this Townsville venue is getting a huge event because they opened up the stadium. And when they opened the stadium, it was just as we were having no crowds for the COVID lockdown last year. And so it was a bit of a soft opening for this ground. So this almost feels like a, you know, welcoming this new stadium into the rugby league world in a way. So I, I kind of like that. Now, looking at the New South Wales team, I liked the vast majority of it, to be honest with you. And I'm going to say that because I'm a New South Wales supporter and I'm biased. Like, you know, I'll put my hands up in that regard. Um... But I like how many informed plays that we selected. I like that we selected some club combinations. Like, it would have been really easy to pick someone other than Jerome Luai in the halves with Nathan Cleary. But Brad Fittler went with him. And I think that that's, been, that's going to be a good move. You know, they play well in the halves for Penrith. They're very good defensively. That's one thing to remember about the two of them. And... Uh, you know, other things I like about this New South Wales team, I like that we went with the two form wingers. You know, there wasn't any problems with selecting Brian To'o uh, because normally we stuff around with our wingers for some reason. I don't understand it. Um, 
I like Damian Cook at hooker. I think that people saying that his form is not great this season is a little bit crazy. He's playing behind a South pack that's not very good at all. And in the New South Wales team, he's going to be fine. You know, he'd be my first choice hooker for Australia as well. He's got a lot of experience. He's a very good player. When your team gets on a roll, he will carve up an opposition. And, you know, I'm glad they went with him. I'm a, One of the things I don't like about this New South Wales team, and when I say I don't like it, it's very slightly. I think their forward pack is a little bit so-so. Um, I think the loss of Radley and Crichton heading into the series was absolutely massive. And it really took a bit of a gloss off of some of the, you know, the combinations they could have had with those two in the team were going to be fantastic. So not having them two in the side, you know, that's a that's a real blow for New South Wales. Um, having said that, you know, it, bringing Payne Haas off the bench, if that's what they do, and I wouldn't be shocked if he started the game, Um you know, bringing someone like him off the bench is pretty amazing. It's going to be interesting to see how Liam Martin plays. Martin started this season off really slowly, like really, really slowly, to the point where I thought Penrith might drop him from first grade. He's worked his way back up the pecking order at Penrith, and I think that New South Wales is picking him at the right time. He's a really good hard ball runner, very good uh, gap runner, you know, and him running off a Cleary, it's gonna it's gonna be a good combination, and I like those combinations. I gotta say, I like combinations. Uh, one of the things I'm worried about with this New South Wales team is the centres, Latrell Mitchell and Tom Trebojevic. I th- would say that you know I like picking specialists in their positions, and to go with two fullbacks, we'll see how it goes. Obviously, Latrell Mitchell's played a lot of centre. You know, we've just got to see how it goes. The good thing about it, they can't be any worse than the centres we had last year for New South Wales. Now, going over to the Queensland team, I really, really, really like their forward pack. I think they're a fantastic forward pack. Um, You know, they've got good combinations of size and mobility, good workhorse plays. You've got someone like David Fafita who can all of a sudden tear a game open with a ridiculous run. So that's one of the cool things about Queensland. Also, their halves. Like, how can you go wrong with uh, DCE and Munster? You know, so much experience, so much winning experience. I just, you know, very, very good halves combination. Um, The thing that there's a couple of players I'm a bit so-so about in their team. One of them is Valentine Holmes. I, you know, I've been watching Holmes really closely since he went to the Cowboys because he went there on so much money, and he's just he's rocks and diamonds, you know, and he's definitely a better winger than he is a fullback. There's no doubt about that. You know, if they're forced to play him at fullback at some point in this game, it's going to be a real blow for Queensland because he drops simple ball. He makes mistakes. He gets caught out of position. I, I just don't think he's a good fullback at all. You know, every so often he'll do something that looks pretty good, but it's surrounded by a lot of bad play. So we'll see how that all works out for them. Um, but yeah, this Queensland team, it's a very, very good team. 
a lot of versatility in it. Uh, Capewell's one of those players that can play anywhere, which is always really handy to have. Uh, Jai Arrow always steps up in the Origin arena. So does Gagai. Um, we'll see how Harry Grant goes at hooker. If he goes even half as well as he went in the last series, New South Wales are in a bit of trouble. If I had to pick a, a team that I thought was going to win, obviously I'm going to go for New South Wales. Um, but, you know, I was always going to. I'd be flat out trying to think of when I last picked Queensland to win a game. So, you know, I just admit I'm biased. Now, yesterday, there was a quote by Daly Cherry Evans in the media, which I thought was really funny. He said that there should be a gentleman's agreement between New South Wales and Queensland that nobody stays down to milk a penalty, which I thought was friggin' hilarious that they would be talking about a gentleman's agreement in State of Origin. If the game is tied and anybody gets tapped on the head at all in front of the opponent's goal, they will stay down, they will grab their head like they're just about to die, they will grab the back of their neck... You know, we're going to see so much milking of penalties. It is going to be ridiculous. So any idea of a gentleman's agreement is just hilarious. Which brings me to my next point. The referee's boss has already come out and said that there will be no let up on these new rules that they've brought in, which are utterly ridiculous. And we will see State of Origin refereed the same way we have in the NRL over the last few weeks. Uh, that would result in a terrible game, most likely. Um, you know, I've never understood this thing, the origin is refereed differently. I always think that, you know, you've got the elite players out there, and it's kind of started in the 90s. And maybe, I guess it started a little bit earlier than that in the 80s, where you'd have different referees would come in, and they would let things go. It was very controversial. And then in the 90s, it was like, oh, they referee origin differently. And I always thought of it as you've got all of these elite players and they're obviously going to give away less penalties because they're fitter, they're faster, they're stronger, all of those sorts of things, more skillful. So they're going to have less penalties. They're going to have less mistakes. Therefore, the game is going to be faster. The players are faster anyway. So anecdotally, it probably looks a little bit different. But I think it's more of a result of the quality of player out there on the field. That's always been my point of view in regards to this. Um, so we'll see what happens. I just hope the game isn't ruined. We've seen so many rugby league games ruined by the rule set that the referees have been asked to apply to the game. And, you know, all we can do is see what happens. I hope that doesn't happen. Now, Brad Fittler has done the most boring thing on planet Earth and that is to say he wants to have a meeting with the referee before the game, and I don't know. Is he going to change his mind on what's going to happen? Is he going to... I don't know what these meetings are about. I really don't. Um, I don't know what a coach would say to a referee going into these meetings. Does Brad Fittler go in and say, listen, are you going to screw my team over? You're going to be biased against us. It'd be cool if you didn't call as many penalties against us as you were thinking of calling going into the match. It's just a weird situation. I don't understand it. And I just find it boring. 
Like, I hope that coaches never get the chance to talk to referees leading into a major game ever again. Now, this is Paul Green's first state of origin as a head coach. And it's going to be interesting to see how he goes. A state of origin coach's job, I always feel, is 95% preparing the team to be ready for the match. Um, And it's, you know, it's more of an art than a science, I believe. You know, it's getting everyone to come together for 10 days in an origin camp to get them to all buy into what their role is in the team. And sometimes that can be very different to what their role is at their club's side. Because these are all elite players, you've also got the situation where you've got stars of the game who you might be telling, hey, listen, I know at your club you do this. We just need you to do this lesser role. And if you can get players to buy into that, that's a good thing. Now, one of the things about State of Origin is because of the history of it, and how big it is, how much money everyone gets paid to play in it, it's normally not a very difficult task to get players to buy into State of Origin. But Paul Green is in his first series, and we'll see how he goes. I think that the last 5% is how you can adjust, not only in the games going forward in the series, but how you can adjust to issues that happen in the game. So, for instance... If your fullback gets injured, how do you shuffle aside? What do you do if somebody gets sent off? How you use your bench? Things like that. And, you know, how many how many times have we seen somebody screw that up and it really messes up a series? I think of last year's series where Brad Fittler, you know, he went in with this stupid idea of he wanted Clint Gutherson in the side. And he played him in the centres, and it didn't matter how bad Gutherson was playing. He, he just wanted him in the side, and he didn't adjust, and they lost the series. You know, it's things like that, and that's the, the amazing thing about the State of Origin series. You can make mistakes, and it can cost you everything. And so we'll see how Paul Green goes. As for Brad Fittler, you know, the New South Wales Rugby League has come out and said that you know, his job is safe no matter if he wins the series or loses it. I've heard that before with New South Wales coaches who have then lost the series and have never coached New South Wales again. So I don't think you can put anything in that. Um, I think the jury is still out on Fittler. I think it's rare. It, unlike a lot of New South Wales coaches over, say, the last 20 years, it's been very rare that Brad Fittler has had the less uh, less amount of talent than his opposition has. And so I, I really think he needs to have a big series this series and next series, to be honest with you, if we're going to consider him to be a successful state of origin coach. And I know that's a very high barter set, but hey, that's the job. Now, one of the weird things we have seen in regards to this origin series, and it comes from a lot of, players that haven't played in the Origin Series before, and most of them are Panthers players, is this weird media obsession of, you know, there's these players we see every week in the NRL, every single week. We know them. We've seen them play a lot of games. And they get called up into the New South Wales team, and the media introduces us to them. 
Like we don't know who they are. Now, I understand that State of Origin is a little bit of a bigger, more national audience. I get that. But what has been strange for me is the way that the media have basically gone through all of these new players and tried to find the saddest story they could find in a player's past or the history or with their family. I've never understood that. There was a, I believe it was last year's NBA draft, uh, NBA rookie draft, where ESPN, for whatever reason, just would focus on the most depressive, sad story they could for every single player. And you would get these players that were having one of the greatest moments of their life, being drafted by an NBA team. They're an instant millionaire. They've they've made a step in their lifelong goal to be an NBA player. And they would interview these players and ask them about like family members that had passed away and tragedies in their family and stuff. And it was really, really weird. And we saw a little bit of that in the uh, Australian media with the way that they handled some of these players being caught up. I I found it, I don't know, strange and off-putting, you know, I, I don't, I don't understand it. I'm sure that some people found it interesting to learn about players in that regard, but it's not for me. Now, looking forward to some news that we've had in the game, there's rumours at the moment that Mitchell Pearce is on his way out of Newcastle and will end up playing for the Cronulla Sharks. Now, this has been denied by both clubs. Got to say that first up. And for all your NRL rumours, all of them, go to nrlrumours.com. It's a section on my website, nrlrumours.com, where I post the rumours that are doing the rounds. I don't make the rumours up. I don't put any rumours up that, you know, someone says to me, oh, have you heard this? Did you, you know... I only post the rumours that are being reported so that we can kind of look back and see which ones worked out, which ones didn't. And you'll even see with some of the rumours that I post, I will post that uh, there was one last year with uh, Cameron Smith where the uh, the rumours all at the same time were that he was going to retire, that he was going to stay with the Storm, that he was going to go to the Broncos, and that he was going to go to the Gold Coast Titans. And I listed all of them in order. So it's not like I give priority to different rumours or anything. I just post the rumours that are going around at the time. Anyway, Mitchell Pearce. There's rumours going around that he will end up at the Cronulla Sharks. With his former teammate is his coach in Craig Fitzgibbon, as my dog decides to start coughing in Shortland. Um, You know, how do I see that? Look, I think obviously they've moved, they're moving on from Sean Johnson. They've, they know they won't have Chad Townsend, which is a good move for them. I think that they could do worse than getting Mitchell Pearce. Yeah, they know what they're going to get out of him. That That's the thing. They know what they'll get out of him. How he goes being coached by a former teammate would be interesting. I always worry when a new coach decides to bring in players that they have played alongside. I just think that I think that that can be a sign of bias or that they're trying to go with the safe option. But in this case, I can see where 
you would go with the safer option at halfback, considering that the talk is that they've signed Nico Hines as a 5'8". You know, Pierce would be a little bit of a steadying influence uh, to Hines, and so we'll see what happens there. Footage has emerged of Canberra Raiders centre Curtis Scott in a little bit of a kerfuffle in a Canberra nightclub. First of all, condolences. Imagine having to go to a Canberra nightclub. But uh, a lot has been made out of this. It's been called a brawl. It didn't look like a brawl to me. It looked What it looked like was somebody said something to him and he sort of grabbed them and it was broken up immediately. Um, we'll see what happens. There were no complaints made to the police or anything. You know, Scott had that incident last year where he fell asleep at the base of a tree and was arrested in Sydney for it and actually won a court case against the New South Wales police. He, he won compensation for that because it turns out you can't just, you know, arrest someone and taser someone that's asleep at the base of a tree. Um, we'll see what happens with this. There's a lot being said about Curtis Scott at the moment. I don't want to get into all of it. All you can really go on is by what the police and the court system says, because the court system gets all of the information. They're the ones that, you know, are in the best position to make a determination on what happened and whether any sort of punishment needs to be handed down. Um, we'll find out what happens. Knowing the NRL, they, they'll probably fine him anyway, just because they tend to, you know, punish you straight from the get-go for, you know, doing whatever. They It's just really PR, I think, at the end of the day, with some of these things that we've seen from the uh, NRL, where they will fine a player or they'll even have suspended some players because they think it's bad PR if they don't. Uh, there was an incident, I believe it was last year, with Corey Norman, where they did that and it felt like they'd made the wrong decision. Um, but we'll see what happens with Curtis Scott anyway. Now, what did you think of the last episode where I listed the best clubs of the Super League era in Europe? Um I didn't think there were too many surprises in it. I've got some pretty good feedback. I had one follower of mine on Twitter, and I'm sorry I don't have your name. Let me see if I can bring it up. But he was surprised that I said that uh, Jimmy Lowe's was the best hooker that I'd seen in Super League. Let's have a look if I can find who it is. Someone that I always... It's Terry. Terry Travis. Hey, I feel like, look, is is a St. Helens fan, okay? So we all know who he thinks is the best hooker in the history of Super League. It's a it's a busty fellow, but yeah, Jimmy Lowe's. I think he is the best hooker that I've seen in the Super League era. I thought his defence was fantastic. I thought he gave good service to dummy half, good leadership, um, just a good all round player, you know. And I always felt like. When Great Britain selected him at hooker, they'd made a right choice. And, yeah, I mean, he, like, I think he was one of the underrated parts of that great Bradford team that they had that, uh, 
I mean, there was a little while there where they were just smashing everyone in Super League. Now, one of the things I put on my Twitter list, um, if you go to my Twitter account, it's twitter.com forward slash league freak, no spaces. I said, I've got two choices on State of Origin night and they all end up with me recording a podcast. I can stay sober and I can do a really in-depth, you know, going through the entire game, taking notes, which I'd never take notes for games, um, doing that sort of way. Or I can have a few drinks, get a little bit drunk and then podcast. I put it out there. What should I do? Should I stay sober and podcast or should I get drunk and then podcast? 90% of people said I should get drunk and then podcast straight after State of Origin. So I actually had uh, Stone Gozard said to me, what I should do is start drinking at the start of the second half and just stay in that zone. You know that zone where you're just pretty chilled out, everything's funny, Um so I might try and aim for that zone, but we'll see. Uh, the thing that worries me the most, and I've done a couple of episodes of the podcast where I've been, I've had a few drinks, and they've normally been managed to the most part by Andrew. I'll be flying solo after State of Origin. So we will see how I manage doing a podcast when I've had a few. I will be doing, uh, I think what I'll do is I'll do some player ratings I'll give my general thoughts on the match, uh, any changes I think both teams might need to make going into the second game, things like that, and just my general overall view of the match. It might not be the longest podcast, but we'll see, because I always find after a State of Origin game, I'm super, super pumped up, and I don't sleep until like 3 a.m., because I've been you know, so pumped from the game. So it could be a shorter podcast, around 20 minutes or so. It could also be me ranting for an hour about why New South Wales needs a whole new team if we lost the series. So we'll see what happens. Anyway, if you've enjoyed this podcast and you would like to support all the stuff I do online with my various websites and the podcast, go to patreon.com forward slash leaguefreak with no spaces. Um, I've added a new tier on the Patreon, so you can chuck in a dollar if you want to just chuck in a dollar. There's, I think, six different tiers. The top three tiers, if you're on those tiers for three months, you get free merch sent back. You can get a sticker for one of the tiers. You can get a League Freak t-shirt, which is exclusive for Patreon uh, subscribers, or you can get a exclusive mug which the, I like the mugs. I've always been a mug person. Hey, I like a really good mug. I love drinking my coffee. And I've actually got a Mandalorian mug that changes color when you fill it with coffee right now that I've just been drinking out of. So, um, I, you know, I would go on the mug tier if I was you, if you can afford it, that is. If you can't and you just want to chuck in a dollar, that is totally cool. I, that, you know, anything you can support me with and support the websites with, I love it and I appreciate it and I thank you from the bottom of my heart. Um, if you want to support the digitization of rugby league history, you go to patreon.com forward slash project. That is where you can support Andrew in his quest to get every single rugby league game documented on the amazing website 
rugbyleagueproject.org. If you want to know how Andrew's doing, he's doing great. Everything's going great. There was uh, DMing him the other day about how everything's going. He was telling me that he is dying to do a podcast at the moment. He just hasn't got the time. So as soon as he gets time, and, and I feel like when he gets back on, it's going to be a really quick podcast, and it is going to be like super specific. I don't know what it'll be about. So it's going to be interesting to see. But, uh, yeah, he's doing good for anybody that wants to know how that's all going. Um, as for other websites that we have in our overall global network of everything, I've talked about nrlrumors.com, uh, but go to my main page, leaguefreak.com. There's all sorts of things there. Uh, check out the lookalikes. If you haven't seen the lookalikes, you'll get a good laugh out of that. The quotes section. I've got some uh, fancy rugby league teams I've got up there. I've been posting a lot more regularly lately, so I'm sure you'll enjoy that. You can also get every episode of the podcast on there. I post every single episode of this podcast on there, um, so you can check that out as well. Uh, there's the polls and stuff I put up there. It's it's a you know it's been going for a while now, so I'm sure you'll enjoy it. Go to fergonthefreak.com. That's the that's the website of this podcast. You can get every single episode on there as well. You can filter the podcast. We've got a button there so you can just check out the history podcasts. We've got a button there to see all of the guests we've had. We've had so many guests. It's pretty cool. And uh, you can also get in contact with us through there. One of the things I will say, we're looking for a new sponsor for the podcast. So if you have a business and you're looking for a little bit of a chance to reach a new audience, get in touch with me or Andrew, however you like, and we will uh, we'll see what we can do for you. You've heard all of our Manscaped uh, advertising, and you know it well. You've seen what we do. Um, you know, we were allowed to have fun with the Manscaped uh, advertisements. They told us to. So if you want more of a serious advertisement or you want it in the middle of the podcast, whatever, just get in touch and we'll, we'll talk it through and I'm sure we can come up with something that you'll be um, happy with. What other websites have we got? We've got Rugby League Podcast, yep, rugbyleaguepodcastingnetwork.com. That is all of the best independent rugby league podcasts all in one place. Uh, really cool looking website. And really handy, if you're into podcasts, go and check that one out. I'm sure you'll like that. NRLbreakingnews.com, which is an aggregation website. I'm thinking about changing that one up a bit, changing how it looks, because it looks a bit average at the moment. Um, so you'll probably see changes on that coming up. Check out my uh, Facebook page. If you go to facebook.com forward slash league freak, no spaces once again. You'll find that. I've got about 10,500 followers on there. Um, so that's pretty cool. We've also got a Facebook page for the podcast. We've got an Instagram page for the for the podcast that is handled by Nadine. She does all of the posts on there for us. She's really good with that. And, uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much everything. So enjoy State of Origin on Wednesday night. It's always a fun time of year. It's normally a really good game. Let's hope that the rule set that they're playing under doesn't spoil things. Um, I'm tipping New South Wales to win by 
uh, two to four points. I think it's going to be a really close game. And I'm going to go with man of the match. My boy, Nathan Cleary. I think that he is going to change the game with his running game late in the match in the last maybe 20 minutes or so. So we'll see how that all works out. We'll see if I really am an expert or if Queensland wins by 50 in that case. We'll just forget all of this happened. That's how experts work. We just, we put it out there and then if we're wrong, we just fucking move on. So thanks for listening to the podcast. Tell all of your friends to listen to the podcast. Tell them all to subscribe and we will see you The next episode will be immediately after State of Origin 1.